Hey, good morning, New Cove and everybody at home. Welcome to fall in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, this is the week that public schools are out and UNL has a spring break. And you're actually here. Who knew that anybody would show up on fall break? But it's great to see you. Uh, I'm Brett Yon. They call me the founding pastor here because we started this in our basement a few years ago, and somehow it's grown, and uh, it's really great to be here and to uh, be able to open the word to you and to uh, have you experience the joy of the Lord, and I hope that's what we'll do this morning. I pick a word every year to kind of guide my life, and I've done that for a number of years. I don't remember how many. But uh, do are we having feedback? Okay. It's not just me. Okay. Uh, you know, in the hollow spaces of my mind, I never know, actually. Uh, so if you can bear with us while they're correcting that, that'll be fine. And if I get off the rails, you'll understand. Uh, I pick a word every year uh, to guide me, and this year is the word joy. And I had a uh, friend in Florida I was telling this to, and unrequested, he sent me this huge 480-page book by Randy Alcorn called Happiness. And this book goes through the whole idea of happiness and joy in the Bible and, and what God wants for us. And, you know, that was a great way to start the year, to begin to say, well, what actually is joy and what is happiness, and uh, how can I pursue that and make that really a part of my every day that I'm focusing on that. In Psalm 68, verse 8, in the ESV, it says, But the righteous shall be glad, they shall exult before God, they shall be jubilant with joy. The NIV says, But May the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. You know, when we experience joy, when we experience joy, we are somehow connecting with that that thing that lies ahead of us. God is giving us an hors d'oeuvre right now that is just a little foretaste of all that lies ahead of us. And it's a false distinction to say that the joy is for godly things and happiness is for fleshly things. And that idea really didn't hit until the 20th century uh, where writers portray joy as at best uh, or happiness is at best inferior to joy if not actually evil. But the Greek words for joy and happiness and blessing are all the same. You see, we are hardwired to long for happiness. God created us for happiness and joy. And of course, those of us gathered here know that the, the only way to find joy in this broken and sorrowful and cursed world that we live in is to find that in the person of Jesus Christ and to find his forgiveness for us 
and a personal relationship with him that then fills us with his spirit. And if we're willing to choose joy, we are filled with his joy. But uh, some Christians think that all that's against holiness. I found a quote in uh, a book by Philip Yancey called What's So Amazing About Grace?, and it's, it's, he's quoting a woman named Irma Bombeck, who was a humorist. How many of you have ever heard of Irma Bombeck? Okay, I'm talking to an old crowd. I just wanted to know, <laughs> just, just to be clear here, okay? Uh, so he wrote, in church the other, she wrote, in church the other Sunday, I was intent on a small child who was turning around and smiling at everyone. He wasn't gurgling, spitting, humming, kicking, tearing the hymnals, or rummaging through his mother's handbag. He was just smiling. Finally, his mother jerked him about, and in a stage whisper that could be heard in a little theater off Broadway, said, Stop that grinning! You're in church! (laughs) With that, she gave him a belt, and as the tears rolled down his cheeks, she added, That's better. And she returned to her prayers. You see, there's something about joy that we should find here among one another. And in our lives as we intersect with one another. We should be able to to find a joy as holy people. We should be the most joyful people on earth. And in this letter of Philippians, which we're studying this fall, this short letter, joy and rejoicing, are mentioned 11 times. 11 times. Paul, who was in a miserable prison, was just overflowing with joy. See, the real question for each of us is, Will I push past my circumstances and find happiness in my relationship with Jesus and choose joy? You see, our circumstances can really bring us down, right? Our circumstances can cause us to have a grumpy, curmudgeon attitude as we go through life. Our circumstances can cause us, even on a sunny day, to feel like everything's cloudy. And yet, when we live in Christ and choose joy, there's light, there's hope, there's wonderful things in every single day that God has packaged for us that we can experience joy. Philippians 1, verse 20 through 25, we're going to look at that this morning. Uh, Paul is in this Roman prison where he would eventually die. Uh, This letter was written in his first imprisonment in about 60 AD. And he was executed during his second imprisonment, which was 66 AD. So as he was writing this letter, he wouldn't die. It would be six years later in the same prison where he would be executed for his face. And in verses 12 through 19, which we don't have time to read this morning, he describes the circumstances. He thought he was sentenced to death. He was chained to a guard in prison and 
People outside the prison were preaching Jesus out of envy and rivalry, trying to take advantage of his absence and stirring up trouble. But true followers were growing in their confidence in sharing Jesus. And either way, Paul rejoices that at least people are talking about Jesus. And so I'm going to begin reading in verse 20. He said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. But Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. He, Paul was torn between two desires. To be killed, just get it over with and be present with Jesus. Or two, remain for fruitful labor for other people. That's ambivalence being torn. He was extremely ambivalent as he wrote this. He, he knew Jesus so personally that it was a toss-up. Be with Jesus Or be with people on earth and be used by Jesus. That was the toss-up. In 1969, in the early 70s, there was much interest and anticipation of the second coming of Jesus in in the Christian community. Books were being written like the late great planet Earth. And it was on lots of people's minds. The morning of our marriage in 1969, I remember my time of a prayer that morning. Instead of, Maranatha, come quickly, Jesus, I prayed, if you're going to come, please wait until after the honeymoon. <laughs> I, I just wasn't where Paul was. It was not a toss-up for me. Heaven was my home, but I wasn't homesick at all. But Paul Paul had this ambivalence. He had this strong desire to be with Jesus. In John eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus said this to, to this woman. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, Jesus put that question to that woman, and Paul believed it. He absolutely trusted Jesus that physical death was not the end, that it was simply moving from one room with Jesus to another room with Jesus. And until he returns and restores all things, and we're on this earth, then we can live with him now, and we can have joy now. You see, if I drop dead right now, before the sermon is over, two things would happen. One, 
it'd be a shorter service. Uh, and it, you would never forget it, right? You'd say, I don't know what he's talking about, but he just dropped dead, right? Uh, <laughs> the second thing that would happen would be I would immediately be with Jesus. But truthfully, I'd rather be here with you. I'd rather be here with my family when we go to lunch. You see, but being with Jesus is looking better and better to me because I have so many friends who are already with him. And so I'm starting to experience at my age a ambivalence, a, a tornness in my heart that's like, yeah, this is great, this is good, but, but you know, I, I have other folks on the other side. But why would Paul want to remain? I mean, why would he say, I know I will remain? Well, Philippians 1.25 is kind of the verse I want to, to focus on. He said, I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. See, he had an eternal purpose in his life. He wanted to see the people around him, his friends, grow in their faith and his joy. And in that prison, he was choosing joy for himself and for others. You know, many things bring us joy in life and happiness. You know, I I think of nature. I was in Colorado this week, and when I flew back, I did a deal at Northern Colorado University. And when I flew back, just seeing the trees even in Lincoln, just the colors begin to pop. It's like, ah. That's so cool. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And food brings joy to us. And if I I wasn't raised as a teetotaler, I might also say drink brings joy to us, but I won't say that. Uh, Family brings joy to us. Sports sometimes brings joy to us. (laughs) Music brings joy to us. There are all kinds of things that bring joy. Every day. And part of living a life in Christ is to choose joy, to be looking for it every day. What is it today that made me happy and joyful? Thank you, Lord. But Paul knew that that there's something we may have missed, and that's why he wrote this letter. Maybe the people in Philippi had missed something that Paul was going to get ready to tell them. And that thing is that they missed is that there's incredible joy when you're used by God to help other people have faith and that they would have joy. You see, being used of God in someone else's life is an amazing, joyful, and happy thing. And I don't know if you've experienced that yet. I hope you do. I hope as you grow in your faith and your joy that you will experience being a conduit of that for people who are around you. You see, you don't have to be a spiritual superstar to be used by God in someone else's life to help them progress in their faith and joy. 
You simply have to know Jesus and be aware of small things and do small things because there's a lot of joy in small things. You just need to be available, available to God in the moment because you know what? You're the best follower of Jesus that some people know. You have a joy and happiness in life because of Christ in you that other people don't have. Are there people who know God better than you and know the Bible better than you? You bet. But they don't live where you live. You do. They aren't in your family. You are. They don't work where you work. You do. And they aren't friends with the people you're friends with. You are. You see, God wants to use you where you are. He has strategically placed you where you are for his glory and your joy and the joy of other people around you. And as you know Christ better and better, you will begin to find more joy and more happiness flowing from him, and he will use you. You see, we live in a world of superstars and celebrity Christians. But the Bible over and over highlights the importance of obscure people. And that would be you and me. And the Bible highlights those folks. You may have heard the name Gideon, if you've been in church much or read the book of Judges. Or Samson. I think there are cartoons out for kids about Samson, the mighty strong man who had his hair cut and lost his power because he disobeyed God. And he used those men... And women, a woman named Deborah in the book of Judges, to set the people of Israel free from the domination of the Philistines. But have you ever heard of Shamgar? Judges 3, verse 31. After Ehud came Shamgar, the son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. And he, too, saved Israel. You know, I'd like to know more about Shamgar, but all I've got is my imagination. And he used an ox goad, which is a a long stick they used to poke at the oxen's heels to get them moving. And I can imagine that this, this man who loved God and he loved his people and hated the domination and the evil of the Philistines, I can see him sharpening his ox goad, getting it real sharp. And in the middle of the night, Shamgar sees this Philistine guard out, just dozing as he's guarding, and he just walks up and just... And the guy just falls over dead. And the next morning, people come and go, like, what happened? Oh, he's got a, looks like he's bleeding there. What in the world happened? Oh, I don't know. And then the next night, they find three others like that. And then there are five others. 
600 with an ox goat. That's my imagination. I don't know if it actually happened that way. It'd be cool if it did. But uh, here's this obscure character that finds his name in the Bible. And he is called someone who also delivered Israel, just like Samson and Gideon. And, and if, when you think about it, there are three things that were true of Shamgar. One, he did what he could. You know, all he had was an ox goat. He didn't have an AK-47 or AR-15. He had an ox goat. And he used that to free the people of the bondage. He did what he could where he was. He, he didn't go off someplace to do it. He did it right where he was, in the place where he was, and God used him. And he did it with what he had. All he had was an ox goat. So I want us to look at our lives as these kids come in. We're getting ready to have a baptism, in case you wondered. Hi, kiddos. Good to see you this morning. I just told a story I wish you could have heard. You can ask your folks. It's about a guy named Shamgar. And uh, I'm trying to hope that all these people will be Shamgar this morning. He did what he could with what he had where he was. And joy comes from that. Did you know you can have joy in Christ by just doing what you can with what you've got where you are. Now, I want to be practical. I, I, as I land the airplane here, I want to give some three practical ideas. One, you choose joy by growing in your faith and getting to know Jesus better. That's a lifelong process. And regular time of Hearing and reading and studying and memorizing and meditating on the Word of God is so essential in knowing Jesus. And having that time in your life that you just begin to start with a small amount of time of Bible reading and prayer will begin to transform you. It'll bring more joy and peace to your life. You see, the Bible and prayer are like two wings of the, the joy fuselage of that airplane, that the Bible and prayer really enable it to lift. And join a small group of people here at New Cove where you can get to know each other and the joy of other people can begin to rub off on you. And you can learn how to be joyful if you don't know how. Just don't be anonymous. Just connect with folks because that's where real joy is found as you learn other people's story and you walk with them through their joys and sorrows. Secondly, choose joy by looking for it every day. Small things. Karen Johnson at the retirement party talked about a flip phone she had back when there were flip phones. And when she would open it, it would have the word gratitude on it. And I, I think that's a great synonym for joy. And so look for things every day to be grateful for. And focus on that instead of all the, the negative Debbie Downer things that are in your life. Look for joy every day and be grateful. Third, 
share your joy and faith, faith and joy with others. A lot of people around you are more depressed than you are because they don't have Jesus. And so as you grow in your joy, when you see something to be grateful for, then talk about it. So my prayer for you is that you will be Shamgar. That you will do what you can with what you've got where you are. And because of that in Christ, your joy and faith will grow, and so will that of others. Let's pray. Father, uh, we don't have any joy in ourselves. Our stories are filled with difficulty, disappointment, fear, anxiety, and depression. And yet, Jesus, you came and you died on the cross for us and you rose again to give us eternal life now. And I pray this week that we would be your servant Shamgars, that as we know you, as we spend time with you, that you would enable us to do what we can with what we have where we are. And we commit all this to you in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.